The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony and his guests. Together, we will explore the pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's market, and we will share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony. An airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 20 of Swalk Ident, recorded on the 20th of January 2020, from the 15th floor of the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Miami, Florida, via the Mobile Aviator Sound Studios. On this episode of Squawk Ident, I have the opportunity to speak with a guest I had on the show on episode 19. Mr. Rob DeJesus. We had so much more we wanted to talk about, so we decided to make time to discuss how our flight schedules often get torn apart due to all kinds of things from weather events to training displacements. We also explore the differences between performing manual revisions versus pressing the sync button on an EFB. We even share a story about the power of a class act captain and the power of the parking brake. All this and more on this episode of Squawk Ident. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, right after a brief word from our sponsors. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I have uh, been on a trip here uh, the last uh, 24, uh, 32 hours or so. Started a trip yesterday evening, did a red eye into Miami International. And uh, the trip kind of fell apart. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I was uh, very happy to hear uh, from a previous guest from episode 19 that uh, he was also on an overnight. And he says, hey, you know what? Uh, I had so much fun on the last show. Let's, let's do it again. And hey, I am all for it. So please help me in welcoming back to the show, uh, Mr. Rob. How you doing, Rob? Hey, Tony. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back again. Oh, my pleasure. I didn't, uh, didn't mess things up enough on episode 19 that you wouldn't have me back, but here we are again. Episode 19 <laughs> was a huge success. It took me uh, probably a good, uh, as, as most of the fellow podcasters know out there, about four hours to edit. It was the longest show 
I have recorded so far. Uh, we clocked in a little over an hour and 40 minutes of uh, discussions with you. And, uh, you know, to add the intro, the outro, and background music, and sound effects, and vocals, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> well, you so, put in a lot of hard work, and I thank you for that. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Now, we had a, a, an absolute blast. Um, you know, our back and forth was very smooth and seamless, and, and I appreciate that very much um the editing was not too bad um and excited to have you use some new equipment can you want to tell me a little bit about that well tony recommended if i'm going to be uh, a guest on his show that i get a, a for uh, podcasting and i purchased a i recommended a microphone and i went out on amazon and uh, purchased a uh, condenser microphone and uh, so this is the first time using it. I'm also on an overnight in uh, Minneapolis where it's only, uh, I think the last they said it was seven degrees outside. So um, I'm nice and comfortable inside here talking to Tony on my brand new condenser microphone. And uh, hopefully it sounds good for the audience. Uh, I'm, it's, it's, a, it's a great little setup. It's portable and uh, it works out great for, uh, you know, right now for getting started. So. Yeah, yeah no, thanks it, for the recommendation. It sounds great. Well, we we might you might hear some clicking here throughout. We're actually because of uh, we're both traveling and on the road. We're we're actually recording this through the uh, the H four N Pro uh, handheld recorder, and on my end, I've got uh, the ATR twenty one hundred uh, microphone plugged in with the XLR through channel one on the M, on the uh, the multi track recording uh, mode. And what I'm doing here is plugging in the audio through uh, a cable coming out of an iPad, and we're actually on a FaceTime call right now. So occasionally there's a little Wi-Fi lag and some popping, but you know I hope uh, hope it's not too distracting. But here we go. So it's amazing the technology these days. <laughs> I can't it, believe we're doing this. It really is. I should be <laughs> recording this, and you know you're having a YouTube channel or something. Who knows? Right. But. Uh, yeah, too much work. Hey, there you go. Too, Something to work on. <laughs> too much work. So uh, yeah. we kind of had a little bit of a, a chit chat this morning, uh, talking about uh, you know what we've been doing since since we recorded last a few days ago, and uh, my sequence. Uh, I was really excited about it because last week, as uh, we kind of mentioned in I believe it was episode 18 I had to get my Latin terrain qualification which here at Legacy Airlines every 18 months both captain and first officer need a Latin terrain qualify um, checkout if you're right. international qualified and you're going into a high terrain area like South America and mm -hmm. I was able to do that it was a kind of a grueling process I in in uh, three days I had to sit in the jump seat uh, twice and deadhead twice, and it was kind of a grueling, tiring situation because when you're I at the, it's like when you're at the controls, it, it time flies because you're you're occupied, your mind is busy right. monitoring and 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 doing what you have to do. But when you're sitting in the back of an airplane and Ugh. you're dealing with you know stowing luggage, yeah, and, yeah. So I feel for passengers yeah. that travel. Yeah. For, oh, it's it's brutal. Yeah, it can be brutal and exhausting. For Absolutely. Sure. And so this week, since I am Latin terrain qualified and my line had a wonderful, I believe it was a 28 or 29 hour layover in Quito in Ecuador. Lucky. Yeah. 7,000, uh, 7,800 foot, I think is the, 
elevation. the elevation of the airport, and then the oh, hotel man. is a couple thousand feet higher than that. So, wow, um, I was given a lot of advice from from captains that I've been flying with. And oh, you're going to Quito? Cool. Well, you know, you take an aspirin as soon as you land, uh, <laughs> because the elevation will get you. Uh, they were telling me which restaurants to go to, yeah. which you know where to get a good beer or what to order, and I was really excited about the trip. Did you think about going for a run at that elevation too? You know, I lived in Albuquerque for about four years, and over there, my house was at fifty one hundred feet. Oh, so you're and, close. And I was running all the time, and yeah. I can tell you, it makes a huge difference lung capacity the you know your vo2 max changes as a runner totally um so and i have some experiences like that with racquetball it's uh you know it's a whole different topic for sure did you ever train like in uh, different you train in denver or anything or sure i'll train at higher elevations but also you know the ball you know is with different pressure it has a different bounce to it it bounces higher it's faster and just you know that that slight change in energy level of the ball throws your timing way off on the court as a as a player so you know that's something that you have to learn to adjust to and um you know fairly quick amount of time because if you're playing a racquetball tournament let's say in uh texas where it's pretty close to being at sea level or you know 600 feet or so Mm -hmm. and then you uh, the next week you have a tournament in let's say denver where you're you know close to five thousand feet and uh, you know the the, uh, you know, moving at a different rebounds, the bounce is going to have a higher bounce. And so you just have to make that adjustment fairly quickly. And, uh, sometimes you, you just don't have enough time and plus your body physically needs to, like you said, you need to adjust to the, uh, yeah. to the oxygen level. So anyway, yeah, that, that's, uh, can affect not only individuals, but, uh, you know, uh, athletes and everything, the way they, the way, the way they play. Yeah, I never would have thought about that about the ball, yeah. but it makes sense because the pressure in the ball is a constant. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that whole deflate gate thing is full of crap too, man. That that ball was not. They didn't let Tom Brady didn't let the air out of that ball. <laughs> cold. <laughs> it was cold. It's science. Yeah. Man. It's science. Uh, anyway. But wait a minute. If it's cold outside, <laughs> and the ball was inflated in a factory at seventy-two degrees at a certain <laughs> pressure, and now you put yep. the ball in a colder area, the ball would be expanding so there would be more pressure in the ball but if it's hot outside then the ball would be softer so i don't know about your theory buddy i don't don't know know, man we can we can sit here and talk about (laughs) physics does it get denser i don't know is that Uh, what happens density altitude i don't know i mean that's related to aviation sure yeah So I was really looking forward anyway, to this trip. Sequence, yeah. You know, I really was. And uh, I've never been to Quito before. And I had a couple, I had a four days off. I, I was working on the house. I mean, I was busy this week at home. And as you know, uh, we have our, uh, I joke around and call it the honey-do list, but it's the, the projects that I want to get done. Um, yes. I installed a, a electrical box and a ceiling fan in one of the bedrooms. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, what else did I do? I cleaned up the backyard and, and got the wood pile in order. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, you're a normal person. Nor- yeah. You know, on well, my days off, I don't sit there at the airport, go check out that P51. Let's go fly. Yeah. Plane. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing stuff, <laughs> right? Me Trimmed too, a lemon man. tree, got up on the roof wow. and was like with my, my pole saw, my pole yep. chainsaw. And I was chumming, uh, chumming down that, uh, that tree and, 
And uh-huh. I, I ended up with five buckets of lemons. Oh my goodness. We have a Meyer <laughs> lemon tree that's 40 years old in the back of the house. It's been there since, you know, my daughter, wow. or my, my, my wife was a kid living there because we're living in the same house and uh, that she grew up in. And so all my neighbors got a bag of lemons. <laughs> lemons. <laughs> we were going around the neighborhood, <laughs> knocking on doors, going, hey, you know, how you doing? You want some lemons from the tree? Oh, lemons? yeah, sure. That's who, funny. Who turns down lemons, right? <laughs> right. You so, for everything. <laughs> so, yeah, I was busy, yeah. and I was looking forward, and I checked my schedule as I'm um, the day before a trip. I always, you know, Same thing. check the weather, check the schedule, you know, what am I going to pack? Right. You know, who am I flying with? All the the answers that way i can start setting alarms on my phone so i know what time to get ready what time to leave the house and i look yep. at my trip and it shows uh that it's been modified but i didn't get dun, any kind of dun, note dun. i didn't get any notification are you listening of course not you're in rest you didn't call me <laughs> and so i'm looking at it and i'm like okay so i see the leg where i fly to miami on day one uh-huh. day two mm, nothing Day three, nothing. Day four, wow. A late night flight leaving Miami back to LA. And I'm thinking, wow. 70, how many, 70, how many hours in Miami? You're basically becoming a temporary resident in Miami. Yeah. And <laughs> so I'm looking at this and I'm like, now I'm like, okay, why? So I'm looking into the deeper codes of the schedules and I go, okay, I was displaced due to training, a DT code. Right on the schedule so i'm like okay so that means if i'm gonna do this maybe i'll i'll fly there and i'll i'll jump seat back or non-rev back home i can spend uh a day at home and then right on the last day uh jump seat back to miami and then i'll be there with a few hours to spare and i can fly back and start looking at loads yep and And that usually is what Gives you the red, the stop sign, like, nah, this is not going to work. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I could sit in the jump seat. I could list for the jump seat and yeah. do that. But flying five and a half hours to Miami to turn yeah. around on a red eye and then have to sit in the jump seat and not fall asleep and not be comfortable and be noisy and, and fly and fly all the way back across the country in those conditions. No. So I thought, you know, let's make a vacation out of it. I've there got a go. hotel room provided. So I started yep. looking at, again, the loads were the issue. I could not get the family on the flight. They were, oh. it had like five or six open seats, but yeah. it was the And that's one what's the, disappointing with us, with our, with our legacy airlines these days is situations like this would be a perfect time to have a small little uh, family vacation. Obviously, today's Martin Luther King Day. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, everybody has uh, school, uh, doesn't have school today. And, you know, I kind of thought about the same thing myself, but, you know, with the loads being so heavy, um, the, our travel benefits of, you know, non-revving around the system are really what I like to nickname them, their travel restrictions. And, uh, you know, so you can't, you, you can't get anybody, um, I mean, it, I shouldn't say you can't get anybody, but it's really tough to get you know, your, your family members or some of your guests, you know, non-rev anywhere these days, unless you want to go to like Midland, Texas or right. no offense to Midland, but you know, there's, uh, you know, those are the ones that where the loads are really low, but nobody really wants to go to Midland or San, San Angelo. <laughs> what are you so. talking about? 
<laughs> hey, I live there. No, hey, those are great places, by the way, but uh, just not for, you know, we want to go to the beach or right. somewhere warm, get out of the cold, you know. And especially if you have grade school children, when they're in school, every time the loads are yeah. decent. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, you exactly. must travel to some exotic places on your yeah, days off, not, you know, and like not uh, very often. No, no, no. Plus, I don't want to sit in another airplane. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so yeah, that's, uh, it was a disappointment, but, uh, I made some phone calls and I know there mm-hmm. are some, uh, pilots out there that work for the company going, Oh, why did you call anybody? Don't call anybody. I'm like, I'm like, look, they yeah. still have me at the airport hotel. Wow. Okay. Which no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Now, if yeah. I could get my family out there, first off, that would have been great. And I wouldn't care because you rent a car and what do you need a hotel for other than sleeping? Right. But, um, but I was like, no. And then, so I call crew scheduling and I say, Hey, you know, first officer Tony here. And, uh, I see that my schedule has been modified due to a training displacement. Um, could you verify for me for one that this schedule as a line holder will st- remain the same. I'm not going to get some surprise. Uh, oh, by the way, you're they can't yeah. do that. I knew they couldn't right. do that, but I wanted it to be on yeah. the recorder right. to say, well, Oh no. And also, and also technically once you land, you're released into rest. So they can't contact you. So it'd have to be assigned to you prior to, to arriving in Miami if they were to reassign right. you or reschedule you. I'm, so, I'm not sure, but I think it's noon the day before the trip or something Yeah, there's like that. something contractually like that that they have to do. Right. But we all know that they they have tried to circumvent all the contractual stuff and just you know see if you can, you'll bite at their bait that they're throwing at you and just take the assignment outside of the contract. So. Right. And we're <laughs> pay know, protected. We so... Yeah. You know, it, yep. it was in my line. That was my trip. So if that sequence value was, I think it was something like 20 hours or 25 hours or whatever it was, if it falls apart, even if I'm sitting at the hotel somewhere for four days because of a storm or whatever, I'm pay protected. So right. I'm, it's not like I'm losing the money because I didn't fly. Fly it, right. So it behooves me to sit in the hotel, drink beer, Eat chicken wings, watch football. <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to make sure, really, I, I, I wanted to hear them say it. And at the same time, I wanted to improve upon the hotel. Absolutely. Because originally we were staying at an airport hotel uh, by one uh, company. And then we were going to go to Quito, stay there the night. And then on day three, fly back to Miami, stay at a different Hotel. Miami Hotel. Right. Yep. And then uh, fly back to, to L.A. Yeah. Um, and so I said, well, can we improve upon this hotel? It's a long layover now. Give me something closer to places where I can go eat, uh, maybe yeah. downtown or, or by the beach Very or somewhere important. where I can, you know, I have the yeah. amenities that I'm going to require for 72 hours. Yeah. And uh, she says, well, I'll put you through to the hotel desk. Okay. So I transfer over to the hotel desk, and the guy that answered the phone. I, Did I, you get anywhere with him? He goes, um, "Well, you know, it's in the contract. You know, you have to stick with your original hotel because that's what has been assigned to you. Ugh. You know, it's in your schedule. That's the, like so. What you're telling me is, I have to check into Hotel A in Miami, and then the next day I need to check out 
get transportation to go to hotel B right and yeah. then go there is that what you're telling me he's like well no that no that's not I'm like you, you'll just stay at the first you one. just I'm like so it's changing so it's not right and he goes well I, I have no power over that it's whatever the hotel uh, uh, department I'm like well I thought you were the hotel he goes like, well we're <laughs> the people that fix the issues like if you get to a hotel oh, okay. and there's no, there's no hotel or they have no rooms or something something went wrong I, I can I can fix it, but I, I I'm not going to change your hotel because you don't like it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Have a nice day. Right, we're done with. I you. hang up the phone and and I check on my phone the the app that we use for Legacy Airlines and it says hotel pending. Mm-hmm. So in the time that I spoke with crew scheduling, they saw that my sequence fell apart because the training department ripped it apart. Right, which is fine. I, I understand. Yeah, but yeah. the cruise schedule, the hotel department, or totally the, the train department, department didn't yep. fix the flying part of it. So the, once I notified cruise scheduling, they sent me to the hotel desk to kind of see if I can get my request. But at the same right. time, they removed that issue about hotel A and hotel B. So right. So in that process. They were taking care of it, but the the guy that answered the phone at the hotel desk wasn't very helpful. No, it was oh, not geez. basically not my problem, right? So yeah. I waited uh, overnight, and the next day, which was the morning where we were recording uh, our our last show there, uh, I checked my phone and it still said pending. I, I was starting mm-hmm. to okay, so I said yeah, to myself, about it. Yeah. as soon as we're done recording episode nineteen, I'm gonna check, and if there's no hotel, I'm calling. A chief pilot or duty chief or someone, and I'm, right. I'm not. I'm not going to get on an airplane to land somewhere, and they go, "Well, we don't have a hotel for you. We don't have a hotel for you." So luckily, as soon as I checked, uh, they put me down here at the uh, the Hyatt Regency Excellent. downtown, which is right across hey. the street from Whole Foods. What? Uh, it's not the beach, what? What? but there's plenty to do downtown here. That's um, great. So that's, that's what I did. Yeah, but it. You know the the crazy thing is though is about the whole topic is you almost really shouldn't have to even have to go through all that uh, with the company that we're working for, you know, with all the technology and all the complexities and everything that are, right. You know, all this should just almost be seamless with the, with the ways that, you know, the big, the way we operate, but man, it's not, you know, you actually have to have your finger on almost everything yeah. uh, that affects you because, you know, unless, uh, like your exact example, unless you, nobody knows that they have to fix it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, trust but verify. You know, yes, I, I trust that, that they're going to take care of me. If I would have not have said anything, I believe that I probably would have ended up correcting the situation um, somehow. Uh, yeah. Either. Uh, in the process of the sequence or maybe by the day before they would have yeah. fixed it. Maybe it was on somebody's post-it note on their desk and it would have been fixed. I just, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So, You're right. but like I said, trust, but verify. So I called, I don't, I don't have a problem calling yeah. the company, the crew scheduling and saying, Hey man, what's going on? You know, I just right, have that. Do I. Yeah. You know, I, there are those uh, among us uh, aviators that, like, oh, you don't call the company. That's not my job. Uh, you know, right. and, and if they can't get me, then, then I'm just going to go to the most expensive hotel and expense it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and, yeah. And you got to basically just choose your battles too. I mean, you, right. you definitely want to operate within the confines of our, 
agreed upon contract, but you know, there's some, some cases where, uh, you know, you gotta just do what's best for you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I would not want to be at an airport hotel for the amount of time that, you know, your, your sequence would have had you there. And that, that's, uh, I don't know if listeners understand that, uh, the reasons why we would want to change from an airport hotel to something, you know, more, um, you know, applicable to a longer layover, you know, just the airport hotels don't have the amenities for a longer stay. Right. You know, food around, food around and, uh, you know, food choices, healthy food choices. Usually those shorter hotels are the airport hotels. Right. And those are the ones that, you know, we're expected to just check in, get a decent night's rest, maybe one small meal, and then head out the door and go back to work where the longer layovers you know, you're going to be there for more than one or two uh, meals. So, you know, you're expected to get a good night's rest and then you need to get out, you know, nourish your body and maybe get a workout in. So, yeah, that's totally understandable. I mean, you got to take care of your, uh, your, your overnight situation before you get there. (laughs) Cause I mean, Hey, if you were going on a trip, you, you make a reservation at a hotel, you know, you do that before you leave. Right. 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 And so the same thing here, you're going on a, a work trip and, uh, you know, you, you do, we do normally know where we're going to stay. And, uh, but in this particular situation, uh, because of the change, it was no longer going to be good enough. So (laughs) we got to see if we could get it better for us. So yeah, good job. Yeah. So here I am, I was excited to, you know, we, we text back and forth last night and, uh, I knew you had a, a late night flight into, uh, Onto, I did. Your, onto your sequence. Why don't you tell us about your, did. how your trip started out? Well, um, this is a, we just started this sequence yesterday and it's, it's a four day sequence. And uh, it started out with just one leg from uh, our home base in Dallas up to uh, Minneapolis. And it was a late sign in meeting. Uh, we didn't, I didn't have to be at the airport till uh, about seven fifty you know, late last night or yesterday evening. And we're just going to fly one leg from DFW to uh, the frozen tundra of Minneapolis. (laughs) It's so beautiful. uh, It's only about seven degrees out right now. And it was earlier on, there was some snow and some flurries. So anyway, um, this sequence is uh, one that I've actually been trying to trade out, trade out of because I don't like to be, in the northern tier of the United States, <laughs> if I can help it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, this particular sequence just started. So, so far, so good. Um, but the uh, previous sequence I had fell apart. Um, mm. and it was very similar, similar to um, your situation where, you know, things changed and you kind of have to just adapt and, and uh, make do. We were actually scheduled for a, a Denver overnight in my previous trip and uh the there was a storm system moving through the uh through the uh, denver area and it it affected all of the midwest states and up into chicago and uh we were flying i can't remember we were coming back from el paso to dallas and then the next flight was going to be from dallas to denver Hmm. well as we were cruising at, you know, 30, whatever thousand feet, we get an ACARS message from cruise scheduling telling us that, hey, you've now been 
reassigned to uh, to do a rally Durham overnight. Don't you love that? And you're notified. <laughs> you're now notified. It's official, right? And so I, you know, the actually the captain was the uh, was the individual that received the message because I was doing the flying. So he pulls the uh, the message off the printer. And he hands it to me and he says, hey, it looks like we're going to Raleigh-Durham now. And I said, oh, man, I guess that's official because it's an A-cars out of uh, out of sterile. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, hey, we're just going to have to roll with it. Uh, now, the captain actually had plans in Denver. Oh. I guess he has some, some friends up there that uh, he was going to reconnect with from his, I guess, Air Force days. And uh, so he uh, he had been talking about you know, hey, when we get to Denver, you know, I want to apologize ahead of time, but you know, I'm probably not going to meet up. You, you actually you said you're more than welcome to, you know, come with us. But I do have, uh, you know, some friends I'm trying to meet up with, and we've kind of been talking about it for the last couple of days because I knew I was going to have this long Denver overnight. And he said, if you know, if you want to join us, that's well. But if not, you know, if you want to just go ahead and do your own thing, you know, cause I'm going to meet up with my friends. So anyway, long story short, uh, we're now going to Raleigh Durham. So, uh, you know, had, had to just accept the, uh, you know, the change and, um, start getting our mindset that, Hey, we're going to be going to Raleigh Durham instead of Denver. There's really nothing you can really do at at that point. You're just, you're in the air flying airplane. (laughs) You can't do anything. Right. But, uh, the, uh, trying to, I kind of lost my train of thought of what I was going to say about that. But so Raleigh was where you were going to. Be so Raleigh was where we were going to go, but actually the, the, so the, the, the original, um, trip was going to have us overnight in Denver. And then the very next day we were supposed to uh, leave Denver late in the afternoon. And, uh, we were going to go from Denver to Chicago. And then last leg was Chicago to Dallas. So it's, it was just a two, two leg, uh, two day trip. Mm. Um, however, the arrival time into, uh, Dallas, was after midnight so you know in my mind that's a three-day trip <laughs> was it after right. 1 31 in the morning yeah 159 right so no that's the thing so it wasn't oh. but we we're scheduled to arrive at uh i don't three um technically on the third day but you know on so you know knowing that i i I, w- I didn't like this, the trip because it got back so late. You know, I don't, a lot of aviators, if you're like me, I'm sure you like that too, Tony. Is, you know, the last day would be a perfect, perfect trip would be the last day to have one flight back to your home base, get in fairly early. That way you can hop in the car, drive yep. home, and then spend the rest of the day with your family. and still One have- and done. One and done, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, mine was not only not one and done, I would have to go through Chicago in a snowstorm yeah. to get home to Dallas. This was which, last week. This was uh, Thursday. Yeah, uh-huh. last week. Yeah, yeah, Thursday to Friday. How many inches did and they get? <laughs> I, how many inches they got, but they didn't see me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the delays were, you know, they had a, tons of cancellations hundreds of cancellations and um yeah so the the change in the schedule for me going to raleigh durham actually ended up working in our favor because now instead of working that second day coming back late from through chicago we just spent the night in uh raleigh durham the next morning woke up 
flew one flight to Miami, and then we just hopped on a deadhead from Miami back to our home base in uh, Dallas. Yeah. And we got in at like four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. Hmm. So, um, you know, hours, six hours or so, maybe even more <laughs> because of the possible delays that we were going to encounter in Chicago. So we got in six hours or so more uh, earlier than uh, what we were ske- originally scheduled to do. Yeah. So that was a success. And uh, I was happy about it. And it turns out the captain was pretty happy about that too. So uh, we were both uh, looking forward to finishing the trip and getting home. Yeah. And I love it when that happens. That happened to me a few weeks ago as well. I think I talked about when I was uh, deadheading back uh, from Miami for whatever reason. And and originally it was supposed to be done at midnight in LA and we ended up landing at 7 p.m. So it's like, wow, I get to go home and have dinner. This is amazing. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) So yeah, sometimes the trips fall apart. Uh, It it can be frustrating, but if you focus on the positive aspects of it, as an right. aviator that does this, you know, schedule changes happen. Yeah, um, they do. Early on in the career, I, I'm very fortunate that my significant other, she always, I used to call and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to hop on the 7 p.m. flight out of Chicago. I, she landed, uh-huh. and I'll be home, and I'll get home this time. And I had, like, the timetables. I had everything, traffic. I had it all, like, figured out, right? Because yeah, my yeah. technical brain wants to have it all figured out. Right. So, she after after a few months she says you know what don't do that anymore don't call me don't tell me you're on a f- until your butt is in a seat with a seat belt strapped around it on your yes. commute don't call me <laughs> i'm sick and tired of you calling me going oh i missed that one and because changing the, the it. Yeah. jump seat was full and and i'm taking the next one and then i missed that one because of weather and, then it, oh, and i don't want to hear it because the anxiety is such a familiar story is it yeah so <laughs> it i'm not is. the only one so i learned early on that you know i'm fortunate to have someone who understands the the nature of the job yes. that's like you, yeah. you get home when you get home I don't want you stressing about it. Don't worry about us. We'll be fine. We've been on our own for four days anyway, right? Right. So, you know, and that's, I learned that early on and I'm very grateful because that has reduced the stress levels in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. With the family, with, you know, everybody involved. So, you know, when we do get these opportunities where the sequence falls apart and we end up back in base earlier than anticipated, sometimes I don't even... uh, say anything <laughs> right and then i text well, i'm like well i'm on the way home oh you're catching a flight i'm like no i'm in the car i'm on the way home and always it's like to my next oh uh let me kick out the kill. party <laughs> i was gonna say yeah guns don't kill people it's people who come home from <laughs> people kill people <laughs> well uh, you know uh the larry the cable guy right there, there you go <laughs> so uh the flight path that most arrivals come in to Los Angeles from the east goes right over my house. And I, cool. I often look out the window from the right side of the cockpit and look down and go, oh, the cable guy's at my house again. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, we just went over my house. There's a <laughs> that UPS that truck doing there again, you know? <laughs> I have a similar situation. I live right on the uh, final for 1-8 right into uh, DFW. Mm. So uh, as we're as the planes are arriving or even, you know, when I'm coming home, since I'm on the right side of the airplane, you know, as soon as we put the landing gear down, if you look down, you can see my neighborhood. So I, I kind of right. joke around about that too. Hey, the pool guy's still there. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the postman's delivering a big package. So, uh, uh, oh, I'm still here. Yeah, audio's good. <laughs> good. Okay. Yeah, just jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Just jokes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, on your sequence uh, that you had last week, you were telling me that you had a situation where somebody broke your jump seat. Was what was all that about? Well, so yes, uh, the so the Raleigh Durham overnight. Uh, the next day we were going from Raleigh Durham to uh, Miami, and it was going to be a full flight. And uh, we noticed on the non rev list was a commuter pilot, uh, a fellow uh, Legacy Airlines pilot, trying to get to work. Uh, he was he lived in Raleigh Durham and he was commuting to Miami, so he had listed for and reserved a jump seat, and uh, the only people that can trump him on the jump seat is uh, obviously training and then the higher level above that would be the FAA well uh, usually with training uh, you'd kind of know about that a little beforehand uh, so you can plan your travel accordingly but with the when the FAA decides to take the jump seat uh, they don't give you any advance notice at all they just show up at the gate usually a half hour or maybe even less before the and they just let you know that they're going to be uh, doing an observation, a safety uh, safety audit, and uh, that they would like to ride in your jump seat. Right. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, we had to break the news to our uh, fellow pilot, our fellow uh, uh, company pilot, that, uh, hey, the FAA is here, and it's a full flight, and he's going to take the jump seat. And so, off we go down to do a pre-flight and this particular uh, FAA guy was gonna kind of ghost me around the uh the airplane uh, as a, for the walk around as one of those guys right. but you know he was um and, and you and I've worked with FAA guys uh, as a check airman mm-hmm. and uh, as flight instructors they're just humans they're they're doing their job you know and, and obviously you know everything's about safety and I want to be as safe as possible and and you know I don't want to break any regulations and I'm, that's that's not how I operate. You know, I don't want to do do everything the right way. So anyway, he was a great guy. He, uh, he did, he did the walk around with me and, you know, he didn't, it wasn't like he was looking over my shoulder. We just walked around the airplane together and, you know, I did my thing and he did his thing and, uh, met back at the stairs, went back up to the cockpit and we started to get settled in for our flight. And, uh, so he, uh, you know, we, we do our pre-flight in the cockpit and a lot of the checks are checking the safety items and, you know, the fire bottle, your smoke goggle, uh, your, your oxygen mask and everything. Mm -hmm. So since he was going to be occupying the jump seat, you know, he's, he put the jump seat down and he, our, our, uh, in the 737, the, uh, the oxygen mask is hidden by the jump seat when it's stowed. So you have to put the jump seat down to check it. Actually, no, I got that wrong. Uh, it's not, it's above, It's, it's, it's above, it's above it. Yeah. So, Sorry about that. But anyway, he uh he got he got in and he put the jump seat down, sat down and checked his oxygen mask and everything. And everything checked out fine. Um but you can tell he has uh been in that jump for because he started talking about uh prior experience when he jump seated on another 737. It wasn't mm. I don't think it was Americans. I think it was actually a, a different carrier. On who? Uh a legacy. Uh, a legacy. Oh yeah. Did it's I say, say it wrong? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> a legacy. So uh, he um, jump seat on another legacy airlines. Uh, he uh, he found something defective with the uh, jump seat. 
and it was just the way that the the the, the seat back latched into the uh onto into the clip the fu- into the clip uh. and i guess what's uh w- well what's supposed to happen is when you latch the back of the jump seat into the clip it's supposed to lock into place uh-huh. and then to release it to the to stow the jump seat you have to pull up on a latch and that releases the releases the latch you pull up on a lever and that releases the latch to allow you to stow the jump seat well the mechanism of the latch on one side of the jump seat was damaged uh-huh. so it wasn't latching properly so you can actually put the jump seat into the into the holder but it wouldn't latch in right and, and stay in place and be honest with you i don't think anybody would have noticed that you know as a jump seat rider right you know when you when you walk into your airbus i don't think you roll the jump seats out and check the <laughs> you're not planning on using it right then and there right so well yes and no um Do and you? i've i've i have hundreds of hours jump seating commuting for over a decade and uh both the airbus and the 73 okay. and, and even some 75 76 stuff and so i'm i'm, I'm very familiar with the 73 jump seat there's only one at legacy carriers on the 73 right. some other uh airlines i believe uh, alaska and i think united might have two and a few of theirs where yes. there's another I one i think southwest the, has two southwest yeah. Two, yeah. yeah so and the second one is almost unusable if you're if your captain because it's right behind the captain seat if your captain's over five foot five forget oh, it forget because it. you have no yeah. leg room at all it's it's no technically there but i mean and i've yeah. i've it's been incredible that they even have one there i've i've been that guy in the jump seat <laughs> oh poor guy chicago Jeez. to seattle yeah no oh, I, my legs are getting no. numb just thinking yeah, about I, it my chiropractor <laughs> loved me um so so uh yeah so that latch if the one you're talking about there in the seven three, if one or both of them don't lock the seat in place, the seat belts are actually connected to the back of the jump seat. That's so correct. So in a a scenario where there's maybe extreme turbulence, what is holding you in place is the seat belt that is strapping you into the jump seat itself. That is a folding. Exactly. It's a folding jump seat, and right. if that latch is not there then or the latch is, is inoperative then you could fly up and and right. become unattached to yeah, unattached. the aircraft yeah. and, the, and the seat itself is has a hinge point so it's attached but it'll move it'll st- it, it, you could get injured so yeah. i can understand now you're absolutely right yeah, totally. i i don't think most people would even check that see that yeah. i mean i've seen so many jump seats with like little bent tabs here and there sometimes yeah. i could just you know, it's not a big deal. Other times yeah. I'm like, oh, Captain, did you know this? You know, okay. Yeah. Um, the Airbus jump seat uh, for the 320 series or the 320 family, as we call it, there are two. Uh, mm-hmm. One's behind the captain, which even if your captain is seven feet tall, no problem. Uh, yeah. Just because the sheer size of the, the, the cockpit, cockpit environment. Yeah. Um, and, but the, the main jump seat is a sliding jump seat that is uh, against the circuit breaker panel on the back behind the mm-hmm. fo and when it's stowed it's behind the fo seat it's it's right. folded up and no big deal when we, i have a jump seater you know you had mentioned you know do you even check well actually part of the pre-flight i have to slide that out and check the circuit breakers oh that makes so sense every yeah. time i'm new on an aircraft which is basically every leg 
I there's a latch. I pull it. I pull out the jump seat. I slide it out. I check. There's I think about ten circuit breakers back there that are dusty and you know for the right. life of the aircraft probably have never been touched because um, <laughs> they're they're non essential. Uh, right. So then I check them and I slide the seat back. So yeah. there's that mechanism. Now the yeah. seat belts on that the headrest is what folds. So you have to fold up the headrest. And a lot of times I see these seat belts that are not going through the headrest. They pulled them out, whoever, whoever rode in the seat pulled them out of the headrest uh, and just left them dangling on the dangling. lower part of the backrest. So if I know I'm going to have a jump seater, I always pre-flight it, put the seat belts through the little strap on the headrest so that it is appropriate. And I always check because sometimes what happens is they get in the jump seat, we push off the gate, we're taxing out, and I've seen this happen a few times. And then the jump seater goes to put on his shoulder harness or her shoulder harness, and they're locked, they're, they're jammed because someone has, you know, they slid out, who knows what happened. And you can't, pull the, you can't pull those shoulder straps out. And now you can't take off because the jump seater doesn't have their shoulder harnesses on because they can't get them unfrozen. Un, uh, so, yeah, that sometimes does happen. Um, I, I do check it and, uh, it, it's just one more, one more thing to check. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we mentioned on the onset of this interview and this, uh, recording that we were trying to use FaceTime as the medium to record this episode and we had some clicking noises and we had, now the audio seemed okay, at least at this point, but uh, we lost connection. And so we're trying something different halfway through. We're now back on with uh, tablets and Skype. So uh, hopefully that will resolve some of the audio issues that we we're having earlier. So to continue on, um, and uh, Rob was talking about the FAA inspector who came on to do a an maintenance audit on a flight for Legacy. They do this. Uh, not much uh, head heads up. Obviously, it's the right. the whole point is kind of like uh, uh, when the FDA comes to a restaurant and to do an inspection. You don't say, "Hey, by the <laughs> way, next week five o'clock, I'm going to be there to inspect your restaurant." You just kind of right. show up or show up, right? Yeah. Or the day of, you say, "Hey, okay, I'm coming over in an hour." So surprise. Exactly. So yep. the same thing happens with uh, aviation with uh, 121 carriers, which airline carriers and inspections. So. Uh, he came in, he, you mentioned that he sat in the jump seat, noticed that there was an issue, a uh, minor issue, but an issue nonetheless. And so right. what happened from there? Okay. So, uh, yeah, he noticed the problem with the, uh, the jump seat and he, uh, in casual conversation with him, he mentioned that, Hey, he had the same problem, uh, while he was doing the same kind of check at a, at a competitor airline. And, uh, he had a basically, he basically kicked himself off the jump seat because the jump seat could not be fixed. Uh, so the, uh, the, we had to go through the uh, maintenance procedures, which requires us to MEL uh, the, the jump seat, making it inoperable. And uh, so, <laughs> so it was the same situation here. So we called maintenance. Maintenance came out, and they took a look at it. And uh, decided they couldn't fix it because, you know, it was going to require uh, new. And uh, ah. there it is. Yep. New parts. And uh, so they were uh, 
decided that they had the MEL, the jump seat, and the, the uh, FAA, um, FAA guy said, you know, he'd have to just go ahead and say, you know, not fly with us and go ahead and take another flight right. and observe another flight, which is, you know, kind of a bummer because we were full and we did, like I said earlier, we did have a fellow aviator trying to get the work. And, um, you know, well, I guess the jump seat was broken. So technically, you know, he probably shouldn't have sat, wouldn't have been able to sit in it anyways. But the chances of him actually finding out that it was broken were slim to nil. And he, right. everybody would have gotten to work and everybody would have been just fine. But, you sure. know, it's one of those things that, hey, you just got to roll with it. And uh, and now in the FAA is always welcome in my jump seat. You know, I I never I get along with those guys. You know, they're. They're obviously over oversee the uh, all the flying in in the country and and everything and you yeah. know they're there for safety and I want to make sure that you know they they get to do their stuff too. So yeah, I learned that very early on. I mean, I used to get really nervous because right. you know you're here, you are, you're doing your job, and right. can you imagine if you're you know, you're an electrician and you have an inspector looking over your I shoulder, know. going, ah, well, you yeah. spliced that wire a little too short. Uh, yeah, know. I'm gonna have to cite you. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot yeah. of pressure. And but yeah. then I, as I grew in my career and I started holding these positions, where I was now doing some training, doing some uh, inspecting of my own through either the check airman status or whatnot, or even back at Tailwind when we were working with yeah our our principal operating inspector for the FAA for Tailwind. That's right. Um, I, I yep. developed a very good relationship with him. Um, we got, I think I mentioned it in a very early uh, episode where we had MELs on the Cessna 172s so that if a yeah. landing light was in op, you didn't scrap the lesson for the day. You just put it in the book and, and the minimum Move equipment on. list, if it's, if it's there, a minimum equipment right. list in the aircraft maintenance log, the AML, as you mentioned earlier, you, you put the, the broken jump seat in the AML and you verified that it was an ME-able item uh, right. and you end up, if you don't have time to fix it, you just write it up and you fix it down line. It's yeah. up, then you just can't use that item. And exactly. and I learned early on that, you know, these FAA guys, they're just people like you and I, and they're not there to crack the whip. They're just there to make sure you're doing everything the way you're supposed to. Absolutely. And if you if you operate every day the way you're supposed to, which is standard operating procedures or SOPs, and you know, you're you're reading the checklist the way it's supposed to. It, it does two things. For one, it makes your life so much easier when you go oh. to recurrent training and you're in a simulator and now you're going totally. through procedures and you're not even thinking about reading a checklist a certain Ex way or flying exactly. the aircraft a certain way or making a call up because you do it day in, day out. And that is something as, as an instructor and as an IOE check airman, I used to preach that to my students all the time. I said, study your best, you know, know as much as you can know. And, um, when you're done with training, operate exactly how you did it in the simulator right? in front of the check airman, because if that's the way you do it on the flight line, when it comes back time to come back for recurrent or you're being observed, uh, in that particular case, or you're getting a line check, uh, that you operate, it's, it's just standard procedure, just your automatic way of thinking that this is you know this is how it's done and this is how we do it and right you have no problems and it's just when you go back to study for when you get when you study for recurrent 
you're just basically refreshing yourself, not relearning what you're supposed to say or what you needed to say right? <laughs> or what the other guy is supposed to say. You just go back and refresh yourself with the, uh, with the stuff that you don't get to touch on. Exactly. Uh, and it's no often, different so. when you have an inspector in your jump seat in the cockpit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're there to observe. And exactly. if you're doing something that they don't understand, possibly, or they don't agree with, then they're going to point you out. Uh, right. Hey, this is this is not the way I understand. This is the way you should be doing it. Now, when it comes to an FAR, or an Federal Aviation Regulation, uh, if right. you bust an FAR on the line, it, whether someone's looking over your shoulder or not, you bust an FAR, you bust an FAR. And, exactly. You know, so you know, we have programs where people make mistakes. We're humans. We're pilots that are humans. Right. And when you do that, you can self-disclose through ASAP program, which I highly, exactly. highly it's a uh, great program. encourage. Um, and Absolutely. as long as we you, make mistakes, right? And if <laughs> long as you didn't intentionally do something to like, oh, hold my beer, watch this, you yeah. know, and you're, <laughs> dang it, Bobby, the airplane just ain't right. You know, as long as you're not doing something like off the rails. You're pretty good at that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, you know, you probably are going to be okay. The FA and the company and the union usually get involved in these, you know, once a month meetings and they go, okay, this is what happened on this flight. Uh, the, right. the pilots disclosed that they busted an altitude by uh, 300 feet because of a misunderstanding through the controller, yeah. and this is what led to it, and this is what they believe uh, caused it, yeah. and it was a human yeah. error. And okay, yeah. uh, it's yeah. and, noted. And be, Thank you. And we're and we're actually having an issue with that right now with the 737's uh, software uh, flying in the Charlotte. The uh, vertical navigation. Um, is not meeting some of the altitude restrictions ah. on um, on one of the arrivals, and so they they put out a uh, a publication saying, "Hey, you guys need to uh, you know have a little more heightened awareness about this particular fix in this arrival with the 737 with a certain FMS software in it because uh, of all the ASAP reports that have been coming in ah. um, from the pilots, and uh, so it's been it's a very helpful." Um, program to uh not only self-disclose and and uh it's used for you know the company and the faa to try to identify areas where you know, they you know they can needs improvement or correction or uh you know you know whatever the case may be right uh, it, and, and it's helping us out because now we know about this pilots flying into uh charlotte in the 737 in that particular, with that particular software, we'll actually get a message in our release saying, Hey guys, uh, you know, when you're on this arrival, pay attention. You may want to start down earlier or, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure exactly how they word it, but I, I think they actually give you a recommendation for an altitude and airspeed mm. to, to actually manually plug into the, uh, right. FMS so that it, the, the VNAV will, uh, respond to it accordingly. So pilot correction so. until the next software update gets exactly right yep yep exactly so 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 this fa inspector you guys wrote up the jump seat he went to the next flight obviously and did an inspection on the next flight right yeah Yeah. and that 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 you know obviously we didn't uh we didn't talk to him after he left our uh, after he left our flight and uh you know these these inspectors are they're very detail oriented too i i I think you uh 
when I start talking about it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, they they really document everything. You know, they take they write down your certificate number. They write down your medical. And, right. Uh, so this particular guy, because he knew um, that the uh, the and I, I think, you know, they're obviously held. They also have they have bosses, too. So they got to report to and their bosses probably want to know, hey, why didn't you go on a, a legacy airlines flight one, two, three? which is what you originally were trying to do, you know, I'm sure he had to, you know, Hey, here's the, report, the documentation yeah. that now yeah, the jump seat was something wrong with the jump seat. And so we took yeah. a different flight. Yeah. I actually so did that job went. for a while. I was, uh, my last, uh, two and a half years at, uh, Sandpiper, uh, regional, right. uh, I was asked to be in what's called an FAC or an FA authorized check airman, because when you upgrade to captain, uh, you, you'll get your eye, your, obviously your training, your IOE training, your initial operating experience training, and then you'll get a line check, and the line check determines that the check airman says, okay, this guy, he, he's proficient in all aspects of what the job requires, and he's good to go, and the next, after your IOE is complete and your line check's complete, now you're on the line flying with a FO that could be a new hire. So here you are. Yeah. So yep. before that can happen, the FAA likes to sit and do an observation flight of the check airman while receiving, if at all possible, their line check from the company check airman. Now, the right. FAA was inundated with these observation rides because at the time, Sandpiper was upgrading people at astronomical numbers. And right. so they have a budget because obviously these inspectors are getting paid to come out and, and ride the jump seat and they're trying to yep. maximize their time. So in a day, they could do four of these observations. Well, yeah. as their budget dwindled and as their time was required elsewhere and other factors of the operation, they just didn't have enough uh, inspectors. So there right. was a backlog and they asked a few of the uh, more senior check airmen at the company to to do this for yeah. them where they yep. they acted in representation of the FAA, the to, FAA. Do these, to do these jump seat uh, observations. So, so you're essentially the FAA for, at that, for that particular flight. Right. You know, FAA you're, authorized you're right company person. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I the had the thing. privilege. Did you? Yeah. I had the privilege yeah. of doing that. And I, all I did was sit there and make sure that the regulations weren't, weren't busted. No FARs yeah. were violated. Uh, yep. it, it was not a pass or fail. It was a complete or incomplete. And the report I had to fill out and email out to our actual POI or, or actually yep. it was a certificate management office uh, inspector, right. the CMO. Mm -hmm. So every every time I did one of these, and of course I had to have name, rank, and serial number, their pilot's exactly. license, their name, everything. everything, how it appears on their license, uh, the medical. Yep. How, so here I am. It's very detail-oriented. Yeah, and so that's what the FAA is doing. So if, you have, mm -hmm. if you're a pilot on the line, you have an FAA inspector, and they, oh, I need to see your license and medical. You know? uh, yeah. That's what they're doing. They're just making sure. Yeah. If they find a clerical error that's not your problem, yeah. They're not going to stop you. They're just going to go, yeah. oh, let me just make sure you fix this as yeah. soon as possible. It's not the end of your career. Right. <laughs> so they're not there to bust you because trust me, as, as a representative, uh, the last thing I wanted to do is fill out two or three pages right. of paperwork yeah. to explain what happened. So, <laughs> so when in doubt, there's the, you know, a little yeah. tap on the back of the seat. It's like, are you, are you sure about that altitude? Right. Okay. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. Yeah. And they never didn't they always greet you with uh you know didn't the FAA always greet you with hi Tony I'm so and so with the FAA and I'm here to help. Exactly. Exactly. 
you know? Okay. Yeah. So, nah. you know, it's a great, it was a great experience and I'm sure you, you can yeah. attest to the same thing. I totally agree. I, that was the best experience I've had so far. And, uh, I don't know if, the, if I get, if I was give, if I'm given that opportunity again, I'm probably going to would you uh, capitalize on it? Oh yeah. 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 Why not? I had a good time. I'm sure it'll be, you know, equivalent here yeah. or maybe even better. So I don't know. Yeah. My favorite I've, part of it all was it, it forced me to stay in the books. Oh, somebody time. asked you a question. I'd get a phone call or a text message. Hey, uh, do you know I this? Know. And it's like, well, I, yeah. I don't recall, but let me give me Let's 30 learn minutes. Yeah. I'll call you back exactly. and I'll find it. And if I don't, if I can't find it, I'll find somebody who can. And yeah, absolutely. and so it really did. And nowadays, I think with the electronic flight bags, the EFBs, yeah. you know, there was a time where we would go in the crew room and all revisions, all updates on your charts had to be manually entered into your little binder. Thank God up. those days are over. How many hours of your <laughs> life were spent thumbing through pages? Oh. But the benefit to that. Well, think about it too. How many times would you fly around? I mean, I probably should be saying this, but you know, with your revisions not in your manuals yet, because you just did couldn't get to them. You well, know if I mean? you yeah, if you didn't get to the <laughs> crew room early enough, and you had a tr so what you did is you thumbed through the revision quickly to make sure that where you were going didn't have enough. So you pulled those three or four pages out, threw them yeah. loosely into your in your trip book, and then while you're <laughs> flying along at cruise and you're thumbing through, and you look over, right. and both pilots are. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of pages all over the cockpit pages all over the cockpit and you knew yeah. it was done because when you landed the garbage bag was <laughs> stuffed oh. with paper <laughs> it's so, so funny to talk but about the benefit that. the benefit to that was especially with company revisions and policy changes yeah. you, when you plug that page in you had that change bar and I knew guys that would take a little highlighter and they would just highlight the changes, read it one time real quickly, a couple seconds, yeah. and then they threw it in the book. And yeah. so you had... Or if they had notes on the previous page, they would transfer them over to the new page. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of always had a current, up-to-date, at least understanding of what changed and how it changed and how it affects you. In today's technologically advanced, you, you, you open up your EFB, you push the sync button, right? The sync, <laughs> the sync button, then yep. it goes, boop, 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 boop. Come, your sync is complete. You are now up they to date. They need to add that sound to it too, so that you know you're up to date. Boop, boop, yep, boop, boop. exactly. Thanks. <laughs> so, so then you go and you're flying along and you're flying with somebody and you say something or they say something and you're like, well, actually, uh, my favorite is, well, actually, Captain, that changed about six months ago. What? What do you mean it changed? Uh, yeah, that that changed about six months ago, and it's on. You know, let me let me find it real quick. So, because what right. else are you gonna do, right? So you go, and now, what used to be two or three books that were in your kit bag yeah. that weighed it down to like what forty pounds? Uh, yeah, now, something like that. Yeah. Now you have like a little four pound EFP, right? <laughs> so now you have to find it in there. So you go through the search yeah. feature, and they, uh, good luck with your five thousand right. pages of. Oh. redundant information yeah so now you find it 30 minutes later <laughs> which in the past would have been all right section 13 flip tab yep. uh so table easy of contents there you go 30 seconds done 
Now it's like, now you knew how deep your thumb had to go into the manual to get to the chapter. Right. Now, or you had that little like, post-it sticker that yep. was sticking out on the engine failure page because you knew that in the simulator you had to go to that page because you were going to do it. And then if on the line it happened, oh, yeah, I got that bookmark right there. Uh, <laughs> so now it, it becomes a you become a finder. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so yeah. the policies aren't really, I think, as current with today's aviator. Uh, yeah. You really have to, you know, right. after you push that sync button, if you don't go through those two or three pages of changes. Revision highlights, yeah. Yeah. You know, so does that make us weaker as a group? I don't know. I'm I'm not the one to say that. But yeah, for me personally, I think that I like the fact that I get to push a button and 30 seconds me later, too. I've done my revision. But at yeah. the same time, I think there needs to be something in there, maybe even a PowerPoint presentation. You're right. Yeah. Right? Something just that a, the company says, hey, these are the changes. It's a quick video. Here's a quick Here's a hyperlink and, to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. And um, yeah, and I don't find myself looking through those manuals as often as I used to do because, uh, you know, how convenient it is with the EFB, it's just not like having a physical book where you're flipping through the pages. And sometimes when you flip through the pages of a book uh, or, or our manuals, you know, you'll be looking for one thing, but you'll actually come across something else that you remembered you needed, uh, you know, you know, you wanted more information about and bang. Now no, you that's found it. Is. Yeah, exactly. So now you've 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 doubled your uh, <laughs> your learning right then in that one little, you know, uh, uh, event trying yeah. to figure find one thing. And with the EFB, it's tough to do that because you either go directly to the page that you're looking for. And so you don't, you know, you totally avoid everything else or you don't get to that page and you just like, well, you didn't find what you're looking for. So you go back to the menu and try to come back to it. And and, and it ends up becoming a, uh, I think they need help with this, yeah. these manuals. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're, they're really pushing, uh, every time there's a recurrent training, I just had a R18 recently and they're really pushing on teaching us how to search for things. I know we spent about yeah. 20 minutes learning yeah. how to search for things in the manual. Uh, there was a class yeah. on that. So, uh, yeah, but good. earlier we were talking about, um, you know, how the sequence kind of fell apart and how this sequence yeah. started. And it reminded me of, uh, how this sequence I'm currently on. I have one, I had one leg yesterday, uh, red eye to Miami. And I was kind of happy to hear i got a, i was in the cockpit i had completed my my pre-flight my walk around and and we were just about getting ready to uh, run through the fms the flight management system and go through uh the flight plan make sure it was programmed yeah. in correctly all the uh, pre-flight procedures uh were dealt with and, the, and we were getting ready to do it before uh before start before takeoff before pushing off the gate checklist whatever whatever your company calls it right. um so we're all getting ready to do, and I get a text message out of the blue, and my phone was hmm. was you know sitting there, hadn't turned it off yet, and it was uh, from a coworker of of ours from uh, Sandpiper Regional, and he he texts me, he goes, "Hey Tony, do you remember me? Uh, this is uh, my your buddy Andy from uh, Sandpiper. I am actually uh, parking at a gate uh, in L.A., and we're a little bit late, and I'm really trying to catch that flight." to get oh, to Miami yeah. because he and his wife and daughter were going right. on a cruise today. And he says, I, you know, I, I'm really trying to catch that flight. Is there anything you can do to delay that flight so that I get there <laughs> and I get on? 
And <laughs> of course, as a first officer, we don't have that authority. And and if it really depends who you talk to, captains don't have right. that authority either. No, at least not no. anymore, unless you're right. only deferred flights, departure for safety, and right. weather and stuff like that. Not for hey. It, I'll be there in five minutes after departure. Can right. you hold it for me? Right. Even passengers sometimes with international connections, they get right. really upset because they're like, well, we have international connections. Just hold the flight for us. And it's, you're going to make it up in the air, right? And, but <laughs> the DOT does control um, our, our stats. You know, On-time arrival stats. It has yeah. to be D plus zero, meaning departure time when you're scheduled departure time plus zero minutes. So if you're even Correct. one minute late, you're late. Late you're is late. late. And on yep. arrival, we have an A plus 14. So on arrival, if you're within 14 minutes of your arrival time at the gate, you're on time. It's considered on time. Right. Yep. So why is this important? Well, because of the way the air traffic control system is set up in our country, every airline or operator that is scheduled has to have those schedules approved by the the ATC or FAA. So it's all a scheduled operation. It's just that. And if exactly. you change your schedule, uh, not departure delays, obviously, but if you change your schedule, it has to be approved. Exactly. This is a process that involves a lot of paperwork, a lot of, a lot of red tape, and it could take weeks, if not months, to change exactly. uh, an airline's flight schedule. So yep. it's important to depart and arrive on time so that the air traffic control system, which is already at maximum capacity, exactly, um, isn't uh, overwhelmed and then causing other flights that might be on time to now take gate holds, delays, and holding because exactly. you were late, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so for uh, an employee to go, hey, man, can you hold the plane? Just, you know, I'm just trying to catch a ride. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. Now, yeah. with pleasure... If I can do anything I can, or if I can relay that information to the captain, or, or even when I was a captain over at, at Sandpiper, if I could do anything I can to, yeah. to take a, a couple minutes to get a, a last-minute passenger on the last flight of the night, or yep. to take a fellow employee just trying to catch a ride to get home or get to work or whatever, I will go Absolutely. out of my way. I will step yeah. off that airplane. I'll stand on the jet bridge. Um, Barry yep. Skiff, who is a, an author, uh, has been writing. Uh, for Flying Magazine and AOPA Magazine for many, many years, decades. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful guy. I read his, his article every month when, when I get my AOPA Magazine in the mail. And he wrote an article about five years ago discussing this very topic, how you know, we've oh, yeah. become so uh, enamored with this performance, on-time performance, efficiency, the airlines want their stock prices to be high and our passengers right. to be happy and our shareholders yeah. to be happy. So we need to, we need to have a productive operation. Right. Well, he wrote an article called The Power of the Break. And when I read that, I actually cut it out of the magazine and put it in my, my drawer of things to oh, keep. Oh, did you? Uh, because, you know, we've kind of lost that over the past few decades where yeah. it's like, well, you know... The, the gate agents, they're, they're the ones that control, uh, you know, operations. They're the ones that control on time and who we hold for and, right. and what. But, yeah. We're... Right. But we, if we have, uh, we have that parking brake. Yeah. You know, the captains yeah. do at That's least, it. I should say. So, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. we have that parking brake. So if the captain steps off the jet bridge to 
do whatever they need to do, he or she then controls when that parking brake goes down, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And if the gate agent says, well, are you willing to take the delay, captain? <laughs> and so right. uh, some captains are like, oh, no, let's just go. And other, because they don't want to deal with the headache. And other captains are like, for a couple of minutes to get an extra passenger or extra extra employee on? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll take the delay. I don't sure. care. You know what? Why not? What's the company going to do? So this is the situation that unfolded. And I told, I said, well, I'll relate to the captain what's going on. So I, I, here I am, first time meeting this guy. You know, <laughs> we introduced each other to each other maybe 15 minutes prior. And I'm going, hey, I got this text message from a fellow, a legacy airline uh, yeah. first officer. They're trying to, they're running for this flight. They're trying to get to Miami. And he's asking if there's anything we can do. He, he's yep. going to run. And he's, <laughs> well, I really, I can't delay. I can't, I can't take a delay for an employee running. I mean, there's another flight after this at, at 1130 tonight. I mean, it's two and a half hours away, but, you know, right. you know we'll, we'll do what we can. And I said, okay, I'll text him that we'll do everything we can. So I texted him. I'm like, yeah, do what you can to get here, man, because we're going to do what we can. But, I mean, he goes, hey, that, yeah. that's, all I, that's all I'm asking for. Thank you. You're awesome. So. I stand up to, or about now, 10 minutes prior to departure, we're pretty much all boarded up. Uh-huh. I'm getting ready to, to hit the lab one last time before we shut the door. It's a long flight. Well, like most of us do. Yep. Exactly. And one of the gate agents comes down and says, okay, we're all boarded up, ready to go, Captain. Uh, we have so many people on board. And Captain goes, well, did we get the, we have a runner. What? Like, yeah, we have an employee trying to, to run for the jump seat. Can you, did you check in with, she's like, no, no one. I'm like, his name's Andy. He's on the way. I tell her. She goes, oh, no problem. We still have a little bit of time. I'll run up there, which is a little rare. And I thought, yeah. wow, this is great. Yeah. You know, hopefully. So I text him. I'm like, are you on the way? It's great. All right. Are you on the way? I text him. I was like, all right, because I just sent the gate agent back up. The captain told her that you were coming. So she went up and great. And just then, you know, I'm standing in the, in the, basically the cockpit door area and I'm yeah. getting ready to jump in the lav just to to hit it one more time and this passenger stands up from first class a, a middle-aged man stands up gives eye contact with me and he had this look of dread on his face oh no and he goes i need to get off the plane i left a very important bag in the in the admiral's club uh and i need to go i need i need to, i can't go without that i'm like i'm so sorry uh, that happened to you i said i cannot tell you that we will hold the flight for you you need to speak with the gate agent and I can tell you that we're yeah. ready, we're ready to go. Okay. Yeah. And, and he goes, gate agent. And I said, she just went up to the top before you leave the jet bridge, talk to her. Because if you go out that door, I cannot guarantee that we'll still be here when you get back. Yeah, so very he, important. Goes, he goes running. Now he, he, he ran, he ran up the jet bridge, no bags, not, not, oh, no, no, so he didn't bring everything's on the airplane. Everything's on the plane. So oh, I turned my head and bring my attention to my captain. I said, Captain, uh, I just want to let you know, this passenger just bolted off the airplane from first class. He forgot a bag in, in the club. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I told him that he has to talk to an agent. I, I can't help him. And, and so now uh, the captain's looking at me like, Tony. Seriously, dude? We just met. So I'm not getting a lot of brownie points here. I'm like, hey, man, I just... I, I, I'm just the messenger, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So I, 
I, oh. I go, I use the lav, I come out of the lav, and my buddy Andy's there. And he goes, dude, thank you so much for holding. I'm like, hey, I, I can't take credit. So, you know, and so now the gate agent, there's a second gate agent, the one that was uh-huh. walking through the, the aircraft to make sure that every available seat was Body's occupied, yep. right? Because mm-hmm. it was a f- over, it was full and there were non-revs trying to get on. And so it's going to be full. Yeah. They want to fill every seat. Every seat. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I sit in my seat now, uh, my buddy's like getting situated in the cockpit. You know, he's showing the captain his documentation that he's, he's required to have his, his boarding car. And now the, the second gate agent's like, oh, we're ready to close the door. We gotta close the door. And uh, the captain says, well, we had a passenger that stepped off the aircraft. Oh, we're not waiting for them. We're not waiting. We're not taking a delay. And the captain goes, well, he, he stepped off the aircraft. He didn't take anything with him. Just then, his wife stands up, mm-hmm. walks up to the, the galley, the first class yeah. galley, and says, we're not going. This airplane's not going anywhere. My husband's not on it. And we can't leave. Ah! Now the gate agent's like doing a way going, well, we can't wait for anybody. So now there's a confrontation. And, oh. and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> look what I have created. You know, and I'm like, don't look at me like I did this. I didn't do this. <laughs> so, uh, so Andy's like oh. trying to get situated. The captain's trying to get up and it's a tight space. So I'm like, Andy, let, let the captain walk out. So he gets up, goes on to the jet bridge. Right? Uh-oh. Yes. Yep. Power move. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Power move. Nice. So he goes on the jet bridge and he goes, well, I need to understand what's going on because right now there's some confusion. We had a last minute passenger vacate the aircraft and didn't take any of his things. This is a security issue. If he left yes. the bag on the aircraft, we, we either need to remove the bag or we need to bring Good back this passenger. Move, Captain. Mind sure. you, this was at D plus zero at this point. Right, yeah. Okay. Yep. The gate yep. agent gets in his face and goes, well, you're taking the delay. <laughs> and the captain goes, listen, I, I don't care. If there's a delay or not, we have to resolve the issue at hand. Right. And he stays very calm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel perfect. good that he's, he's doing the right thing. At the same time, I feel like I was kind of put in the middle of the situation, and that's not a good first impression. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy's just like, just, he's sweating because he ran a terminal over from Terminal 4 to Terminal 5, and he said oh. he was like running up the escalator with his bags, and there were other pilots oh. laughing at him. And <laughs> he's got the commuter run going. So yeah. just then, I look back, and I, because I'm trying to keep an eye on what's happening, and I see this passenger walk right past everybody and sit in the seat. <laughs> and, and the gate agent goes, oh, he's here. Let's go. So close the door, drop the brake. We ended up uh, departing two minutes past departure time, which is a delay. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. A delay. Yeah. But everybody got situated. Yeah. No one, no one got bumped off. No one got left behind. No security issues right. were. So, yeah. and it was all not because of the situation that happened, but because of the the philosophy that our captain had that day that yeah. last night that he, yep. he just stood up quietly. He didn't, he didn't initiate a confrontation with a gate agent yep. that was in his face. He didn't, he didn't tell the passenger, you know, sorry, we're not taking delay. Yeah. He just stood up and said, let's find yeah. out what's going on here. He did a really good job. He you could tell he's an it. experienced captain. And those are the kind of guys in situations that, you know, we all need to learn from because there's, you know, many different ways he could have handled it, you know, 
And uh, he obviously chose to handle it in that particular way, and he did a good job. Sounds like a great captain to be flying with. Yeah. Well, he's he right now, uh, at this very moment, as I'm checking my watch here, is uh, <laughs> flying into and probably just about close to landing in uh, in Ecuador right now. Wow. On his Latin terrain qualification. Meanwhile, I'm here uh, <laughs> recording a podcast from my very luxurious uh, hotel room from the 15th floor of the Hyatt Regency in, uh, in Miami. Miami. And uh, I got to admit, last night I went to Whole Foods, picked up some grub. And grabbed a six pack of uh, some local uh, IPA that was uh, nice. I had a couple last night, and you know surprisingly, it was called Hop Gun. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was you it know, good? It. You know, I'm I'm not a critic. I am a fan of of a good IPA, and I you know one or two at the most because I'm I'm there for. Yeah. The experience and the taste, and you know, usually with the crew, you go out on an overnight and you have a good local beer. I always shoot for the local. Um, Me too. And so when I saw it was a local, you know, in the cooler there at the Whole Foods, and hop give gun, it a try. Yeah, you know, hop gun. I like, I like a hoppy beer. Yeah, a good IPA. Sounds good. Sounds it strong. was not as strong. It was it was more like a lager. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it was good. Okay, and yeah. I'm not like the kind of guy who give you like, oh, the tannins on this one will say you, you know. No, uh, it was good, uh, a good summer IPA, uh, mm. but not my favorite. Well, hey, uh, talking about beer though, real quick, if you ever, and this is a plug from my buddy who's in Santa Barbara. If you ever make your way up to the Santa Barbara area, go check out my buddy's restaurant. It's a, it's actually a microbrewery. It's called Hollister Brewing Company. Hollister Brewing Company in Santa Barbara, California. Santa Barbara. Good friend of mine. I've known him since, uh, man, since I was, uh, before I even joined the military back in 1995. I think I knew him since 1990. So uh, we've been buddies for a long time. And he's the uh, owner and proprietor of that uh, microbrewery. And uh, they they brew everything right on site. They have a really good brewmaster. And uh, it's a good place. Uh, It's a good, if you like Beer, IPAs, and stuff like that. That's a place to go. Any particular favorites from his... Uh, um, you know, and they change them all the time. Um, and he was ex-military. And so he, one of his unique things is he'll name some of the beer after... Uh, some of the beers after uh, squadrons that he's been in. So, like, you know, one, one would... I mean, I, I'm not sure this is an actual beer, but, you know, like a triple nickel squadron in uh, Italy... Uh, is is a the name of a squadron, so he'll he'll uh, name a beer after that squadron. So it'll be the triple nickel lager or triple nickel IPA or something like that. So uh, it changes daily or changes weekly. Um, so I'm not sure what he has currently on tap, but um, that is yeah, a Hollister Brew Co. Hollister Brew Co. dot com. Uh, yeah, really nice webpage here. Uh, yeah. Good beer makes me smile. That's uh, it. And he talks about quality, craft, and community. We are a That's locally it. owned and operated brew pub, and our goal is to provide and maintain a comfortable, unpretentious environment that appeals to our local clientele as well as beer and food aficionados from around the country. We are here to exceed expectations, to introduce people to things they may not have had before, and to do it in a fun and educational way. And uh, pretty, uh, you know, just from the website here, it's a pretty big place. 
It is. Yeah. It really is. And there's and a couple a photos place. there. Yeah. The the food They'll looks have live real entertainment good. and uh, great great staff there make you feel welcome and and provide great service. So well, I've already awesome. picked out two that I want to try out. One <laughs> uh, one's called Broken Atlas IPA. It's a six point four percent ABV and it's a light bodied American IPA. Uh, he's got a pretty long list yeah. here. Moon Commute. Yep. A hazy mm-hmm. IPA. Oh man, hazy IPAs in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Blasted <laughs> with galaxy and strata hops. Out there of this world, aromas and tropical fruit will take you to the moon and back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely great plug. I love it. I'm there gonna, you go. It, I am bookmarking this right now. I'm going to check that place out. <laughs> and I will Thanks. have uh, descriptions and the uh, links in the show notes at the end of the awesome. episode. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about today in terms of uh, what we've been chatting about? Well, I, I mean, we could always, we can go on and on and on about uh, topics and off on tangents like we, uh, we always seem to do. And that's what's so fun about it. I honestly, I'm, I'm, think I'm at the end of uh, my endurance level for this podcast right now. Yeah. And we both <laughs> have, to, uh, we both have, you have to go get some grub yeah. and get ready for your next flight. Exactly. Which I got to fly back again? to uh, Dallas. I got to fly back to Dallas this afternoon. Uh, I think we got about a 5.30 or 6 o'clock flight out of Minneapolis to Dallas. And then I'm going to turn right back around and uh, come back to Minneapolis tonight for another uh, frozen tundra layover. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got to get ready and and uh, and uh, go get something to eat and yeah. possibly get a run on the treadmill because I'm not going outside in this weather. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, crazy. you know, not to rub it in, I think I'm going to go for a run outside in Miami. Although well, it is overcast, but it's 62 degrees. Oh no, hey, seven, 72 degrees. Make that oh, uh, there 72. You go. It's uh, there. You go. Warmed perfect. up from this morning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm going to do that uh, and then uh, awesome. do some editing. And I got a couple more of those. Uh, what was it called? The uh, Hop Gun Bruise with my <laughs> yeah, name on it. I don't leave here till tomorrow night. So. Oh yeah. So yeah. You better, uh, take care of those before you leave. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, awesome. you know, Rob. Have one for me, by the way. I'll, I'll have one for you and one for me. There you go. There you go. And uh, listen, it's been a blast. I really enjoy uh, Thanks, sitting down Tony. with you. I look forward to having you on the show as much as possible. I think our viewers would agree. That, uh, you know, some of the things we're talking about is exactly kind of what you can expect as an aviator, you know, into this community. Exactly. And what we're talking about is a lot of, uh, you mentioned it in previous podcasts, what we're talking about are uh, basic things that I get a lot of questions from, you know, my friends and, you know, uh, family members about a day in the life of a pilot and what to expect and stuff like that. So it's great that we can use this media medium to to convey our our uh, you know experiences and stuff like that so if you have me again i would love to be back i enjoy it this is so much fun officially an uh, open invitation uh <laughs> we'll just make sure our schedules uh mash up and we Sync will do up, this yeah. as much as often because absolutely uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about so yeah and I'm it's sure great the, the i think it yeah. all just flows so much it does better it does you know yeah but awesome. again uh thanks again uh, enjoy your overnight and Thank your time you. there, you and uh, be safe out there this evening. You want to trade, by the way? I'll, I'll come to Miami. You come back up here to. <laughs> I would love to not trade with you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, all right, <laughs> all right, Rob. 
We'll All talk right, to you Tony. soon. All right. Take care. Well, ladies and gentlemen, episode 20 is now complete. I want to send a special thank you out to Mr. Rob DeJesus for sitting down with me now for two episodes in a row to talk about all kinds of things from class act captains that know how to handle late running passengers and employees trying to catch a ride to how to update manuals with new EFB technology out there. We also discussed how to handle when your schedule gets torn apart in the middle of a sequence. If you're enjoying Squawk Ident, I encourage you to send us feedback. You can either do that on whatever podcast player you're listening to, or you can do it directly from the Aviator Tony website. That's at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar November Yankee.com. There you can check out the unique cover art that I produce for each independent episode. You can also check out the newly updated Pilot Shop where we have polo shirts, t-shirts, luggage tags, and more. For faster access to the website, you can also save it as a home screen bookmark, aka appifying the website. Spotify listeners can listen, sponsor, give audio feedback, and share this episode with your friends and family. If you're on the social medias, we would love to have you join us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I constantly update that and respond to the direct messages that I get from fans and listeners alike. In closing, I'd like to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator. Keep the dirty side down, be safe, and take care of each other.